Amen. I love our study in Romans. We're looking over the last couple of weeks at the joyhood of servanthood. Today I want us to look at walking with the weak. If you'll take your Bibles this morning and open them to Romans chapter 15. We'll be looking at the first six verses there. Knowing that uh, Paul was writing to the church at Rome, but he was writing in a very, for them, a very unique time, in a very unique situation, which is not ununique as ours. You see, what he's writing to them, he's understanding that the church of Jesus is beginning to grow. And in that church, you now have the Jews that have chosen to follow after Jesus. The Jews that are coming out of their laws and all of their restrictions and the commands that they were following. And they're bringing their selves under the leadership of Jesus Christ. You have the Gentiles that are coming in to the church of Jesus Christ at this point and trying to meld the two. The Gentiles didn't know about all those laws. They didn't have all those covenants and everything that the Jewish ones did, but they're becoming one family. They're becoming a family of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly where we are today. We are the family of Jesus Christ as believers who have surrendered control of our life over and called on Jesus Christ through faith to save us. And we each come from our own walks of life. Some of us raised in church all of our life. We know all of the these and the thous. And we know all the big words that we use as in glory and grace and substitutionary atonement. All these big words we understand. But there are those who come into the church that are new into their faith. They've never been into a church before, but the Lord has called them. And through grace, they've heard the message. They have received that. They're coming in and they don't understand and they've got to learn. We also have a a family that has different people at different levels in their walk of Christianity. We have those who are mature believers and we have those that are immature believers. And there's nothing wrong with being an immature believer. You grow to a mature believer. The only problem I might say with an immature believer is a believer who has been a Christian for a number of years and they're still an immature Christian. We have a responsibility to grow. But with that being said, that also means that there are some weak, as we're going to see here, talking maybe of an immature, not a a negative weak Christian, and you have stronger Christians. And God uses each and every one of us in the family of Jesus Christ. And as believers... We understand that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that talks about and trains everything is about me. But we understand that when it comes to God, everything's about God. Amen. It's not about me. So today I want us to look at walking with the weak. If you would stand with me as we read from God's word. Romans chapter 15 beginning in verse 1. It says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his building up. 
For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. Now may the God of perseverance and encouragement grant to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, this morning we do come to you, Father, and we thank you for your word. Father, understanding, Lord, that your word is a love letter to us, Father, your word is that special revelation where you reveal to us who you are and who we are, what your plan is for us, and Father, what your plan is for the future. And Lord, now through that and through that knowledge, would you help us to have our eyes open this morning, Lord, that we can behold wonderful things in your word. And Father God, that you may allow our ears to hear from Holy Spirit and our hearts softened to the conviction of Holy Spirit this morning. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This morning as we begin to look at this, the first thing I want us to look at is believers should bear the weakness of others. Understanding that we're taught today very strongly through TV and through interaction and I believe through the sinful nature that's within us that we're number one. Everything is to be about us. Anything that inconveniences me, I don't need to worry about. But we have a great privilege as believers that within the body of believers there are those who are weak and those who are strong. And what Paul is writing here to and understanding when he says those who are strong ought to bear the weakness of the others. There are those who have come into the body of Christ during this time in this Romans church and they understood that there were the Old Testament, those laws that God had given that were to be followed, those laws that were to lead us for the purpose of letting us know that we were sinners. But those strong ones also understood that God had brought Jesus who died on the cross for them. And you had those, what he's calling here, the weak ones that were coming into faith and they still believed that you couldn't eat pork and you couldn't do certain things. There were certain things you couldn't eat. You couldn't eat that food that had been sacrificed to an idol. You had the strong ones that come through and realize that in scripture, God has said that all food now was good to eat. So there was this battle going on because when you come together... When you have an eaten meeting like we like to do around here, you know, they would gather on a regular basis in families' homes to eat and they would share and remember the Lord's Supper during that too. But understanding that in that situation, because you're strong enough and you understand that all food is able to be eaten, that there might be those that are coming that in their conscience they're still holding on to some of what they had been taught and instilled into them that you don't eat that. He was like, come together unified, don't bring it. 
Remember last week we talked about the unity within the believer. But we have a responsibility of believers that we need to help each other grow. It says there that those who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those who are not. And it's not just about us, but each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his building up or to his edification. He's talking there about that weakness. Let me just read to you out of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So where he's saying here that the strong ought to bear the burden of the weak, he's referring to other scripture that says we have a responsibility to bear burdens with other people, to bear a a weakness with them. What is that law? But you know it very well, that law. Remember when Jesus was asked, he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, the greatest and foremost commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophet. So that law of loving your neighbor as yourself We're to bear those burdens, but it's not just to leave them there. You know what it is to love your neighbor? To love your neighbor does not mean that you agree with everything they do. To love your neighbor does not mean that you condone everything that they do. We have people all around us that we don't believe like they believe. But in love, we can encourage, we can teach. We can build up, as it says, to build up. We can edify them. It's our responsibility to come along in a loving manner to another believer and to help them grow. Why it doesn't always sound easy, and it's not. Because there's times that when we're bearing one another's burdens, that yes, we have to get down in that mud pit with them. And we have to wallow around in that mud, and it don't always feel good. Don't always look good. May not always smell good. But out of loving our neighbor, our other brothers and sisters in Christ, we bear their weakness. We come along and we help them mature. And I'm glad that that happens because let me tell you, none of us would be where we are today unless someone else had come alongside of us and taught us and taught us in love. I believe it must be done in love. There are ways to teach. And there are ways that you can try to teach it or turn the people off as soon as you open your mouth. It's a matter of how we do it. That's why I say that we believers should bear the burden. We should go along with them. This burden of weakness is Paul is writing here to the Roman church talking primarily here about food and law because you have those Jews that still hold all these laws. You have the Gentiles who don't know those and you have those who understand that Christ died to free us from all of that. Amen. It's the reason he died on that cross because none of us are perfect. But secondly, we also see that if Paul is going to tell them that you need to do something. That believers should bear the weakness of others. Believe we need an example. And I got a very good example for you that Paul brings out right here. And that's the second thing that Jesus bore the weakness of others. 
We say as believers, we are called what? The word that starts with the C, Christian. Can you say that with me? Christian? It means Christ-like. Understanding that you only see it a couple of times in Scripture, and most of those times it's in a negative light because they're saying, look at those people who are Christ-like. Well, if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to claim to be Christians who we are, who will put our faith in Jesus Christ, then we must be like Christ. He is to be our example, and we're to follow that example. And Jesus himself bore the weakness. Look at verse 3. It says, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproached you fell on me. It's coming out of Psalm 69.9, and let me read you that verse just real quick. For zeal of your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. This is what's called uh, foretelling. Jesus wasn't around when the psalm was written, but it's very clearly being written about him. That those who were against the Lord were against Jesus And Jesus was lifted up on that cross. Jesus didn't come here to please himself. Now hear me out. He came out of obedience to the Father. Yes, he came because he loved us. But if you remember what we talk about Christ, he's what? All human and he's all God. Which means he had feeling. Any of you ladies ever sew and prick your finger a little bit? Maybe you're like Nicole and just run the sewing machine all the way through your finger? Have you ever stubbed a toe? It hurts. So I could think that we could clearly say that Jesus didn't come to please himself. He didn't come to be beaten. He didn't come to pour out everything he had and to love on those around him to totally be rejected by them. To be sped on, to be made fun of. To have that crown of thorns pushed down in his head. To be put up on a cross for everybody to walk by and ridicule and to mock. To have his heart ripped out as he's sitting there showing his love for everyone. And all they can do is make fun of him. Don't believe he came to please himself. But as it is written, those reproaches, they fell on him. He bore our burden. Let me tell you, church, and I know you know this. But every time that hammer hit a nail and drove those nails into his hands and his feet, that was you and I. If by chance, which it's not even possible, everybody in this room was totally perfect but one, and that one being you, Jesus would have still died on that cross. It was us. You see, he bore our weakness. And verse 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Paul's writing there, he's agreeing with those that yes, what it's talking about here, what was written in earlier times, would have been for them the Old Testament. For us today, it'd be the whole Bible. Well, why wasn't it the whole Bible for those when Paul was writing this? Because the New Testament wasn't written yet, he was just writing it. 
But it's referring back to the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is great for instruction. It tells us over in 2 Timothy 3.16 that it is profitable. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The word is there, even the Old Testament. Jesus didn't come to abolish it. What did he say? He came to fulfill it. The Old Testament is teaching us who God is. The Old Testament is teaching us about what God's plan for salvation was. He's shown from the very beginning in the book of Genesis that death was a result of sin. Blood must be shed. Adam and Eve entered into a perfect garden. It didn't take those great heroes long to mess it up for the rest of us. Amen? And they sinned and because of that we each are born into a sinful nature. And the first thing God did was to go walk in the garden with them like he normally did. But there was something different today. The fellowship had been broken. Adam and Eve were hiding themselves. And then God in all of his wisdom Adam, what have you done? Where are you? I'm hiding because I'm naked. Who told you? God knew. He wanted Adam to confess that. And then what do we see? God took an animal. He killed that animal. The blood was shed. He made clothing for them. And the rest of the Old Testament is telling that story. As that one radio announcer said, and the rest of the story. He's saying that there is sin all in the world. I'm going to show you that. But I want you to understand through all this, I'm making a way for you. So if Christ can bear the sins of those who hated him, he's giving us an example that we can bear through that. What is this instruction? What do we get out of this instructions that the word gives us? Three things we see there at the last part of verse 4. Perseverance, encouragement, and hope. What's the big deal? Why, why do we want to know this word so well? Why do we want to grow? Why do we want to mature? Because we get perseverance. We know how we can be steadfast. It's the power to... Stand firm in hardship and stress. I'm just going to ask you answer to yourself. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Do you know anyone today that's in hardship or stress? Let me just probably answer for every one of us. Every one of us are going through something, but the Bible tells us how we can be steadfast in that. Let me tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, and I study because I'm in school. I hope we all study. I know God's word. It's been in my heart for a long time. But let me tell you, if it wasn't for God's word, this week I would not have been able to stand fast in my faith. What we have experienced in our community can make anyone question. But because of the instruction of God's word and the picture that we see and the love that we have we're able to persevere we're able to move through this there are difficult days ahead 
And there will be difficult days ahead, but we can stand firm. But it also tells us that we can have encouragement or consolation. A comfort, a feeling of consolation and disappointment. Again, we can go right back to our community this week. There's disappointment. You know... When studying this and going through this, I'm like, God, how did you know? I didn't just pick Romans 15 for this week. This has been oncoming for years. So we've been making our way here. But we have incurred, we have disappointment. Let me tell you, the Springers have disappointment. The Hubier family, they have disappointment. No one expected a 17-year-old girl to die Saturday morning. Stacy and his family on the other side was not expecting Thomas to die. This, there's disappointment. We don't ever want to let anybody go. We want to keep them forever. But we can understand that through God's word, we can persevere, we can stand firm, but we can have that feeling of consolation knowing that God's with us. But what about the consolation of knowing where those are who have put their faith in Jesus Christ? And then the third thing it says that we get out of the scripture that we might have hope. I like how one put it this way. A general feeling that some desire will be fulfilled. We have hope knowing that Jesus Christ is going to walk through difficult times with us. We have a hope to know that we can mature in Christ. We have a hope to know that there is a resurrection of the saints coming. Amen. We have a hope to know that one day those who are left, they're going to join those saints in the clouds. We have hope that we can get through this world. We have hope that the one who created it is our shepherd that is walking with us. These words that we've heard all throughout this week. This is the time when we turn to God's word. But he says that instruction so that we can persevere and that we can have encouragement and we can have hope. You see, that's all because Jesus bore the weakness of others. We must bear the weakness of others. We must come alongside those who are grieving right now. Come alongside those who have questions. Come alongside those who aren't strong enough to see God's hand in everything. Knowing that it's right there and that it's moving and that it's working. You see, that's because of what Jesus did. And as Christians, we need to be Christ-like and we need to be doing these same things for others. There are those in this room who have experienced the loss of children. There are those in this room who experience the loss of a spouse, the loss of a parent. We come alongside those who are experiencing now for the first time and we bear that burden. We can let them see that you can get through it. It's not easy. I could take the mic into each one of these sections and give it to somebody and let them testify. It was difficult. It was hard. But I had hope. And that God got me through it. So I believe that this comes alive to us today. Not just talking about food. But we need to come along younger believers. Weaker believers in the sense of have not matured yet. And as our strong self. Don't think about us. 
You know how easy it is for a believer sometimes to say, and just suck it up and get home. You know, how many times are you going to ask that? Didn't I talk to you about that before? That's not loving. We come alongside because we've matured. We've been there. People have come along with us. So you see, believers should bear the weakness of others. Jesus bore the weakness of others. And then thirdly, I want to look at the results of bearing the weakness of others. So Paul has told them what you need to do as a believer. He's given the example that we're to follow of Jesus Christ. And now he wants to give the Roman church theirs. They're coming together the results of what happens when you do this. Verse 5, it says, Now may the God of perseverance and encouragement grant to you. See, God is a God of perseverance. Let me tell you what. I'll testify to that one. God pushes through with me. And he stays standfast, amen? I mean, he's come after me more times than not with a two-by-four. With the back strap, the belt, whatever you want to call it. He's had to come after me. I'm stubborn at times. I I know none of you are like that. But I'm just going to confess today that there's times that I'm stubborn. But my God is steadfast. And I love that because you know what? This word that we said is good for instruction I see that God is still the same today as he was back then. He loved the Israelite nation and they would turn on him. They would repent. He'd be right there to bring them back. Time in and time again, he would perform miracles in front of them. I mean, even let's go into the New Testament and look at all the miracles Jesus was performing in front of those. Those miracles in front of the disciples and yet they still questioned But he is a God of perseverance. He is a God of encouragement. He brings us that feeling of consolation. And then it says there that this God, it was one that's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The one that is a God of encouragement. May he grant to you to be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. What is he talking about? In the church of Jesus Christ, those that were Jews and those that were Gentiles... Those who were raised in the church, those who have never been in the church, you come together in the church and you're of one mind. Does it mean you agree totally on everything? No. I like the story that I was once told about a gentleman who had been shipwrecked on an island. He was the only one on the island. Somebody finally came to rescue him. He wanted to show him all the different things. Now remember, he's the only one on the island. And the guy said, well, what's that building over there? He says, that's where I go to church. He said, okay. He said, what's that building over there? He said, that's where I used to go to church, but we couldn't agree. You know, you get more than one person together, you're not going to agree on the details of everything, right? But that doesn't mean that you cannot come with one mind. We can agree in Christ Jesus. What's the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to move forward the gospel message. The purpose of the church is to teach the Christians how to be built. The purpose of the church is to go out into the world and show the love of Jesus Christ. And when we come in here, I know I've used this analogy before. It doesn't matter what color the carpet is. It don't matter what color the pews are. It don't matter what color the walls are. Those are things that people want to get together and they want to bicker about and split a church. And they've missed it from the very beginning. Who cares? 
If you want it pink with purple polka dots, let's get some spray paint and get after it. But when it comes down to we need to be in one mind is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The purpose of what the church is. And the result is God gives us that ability. As believers in Jesus Christ, we come unified. We've all been through those baptisms. We've accepted Jesus Christ, anointed with the Holy Spirit for the purpose of coming together in Jesus Christ. And we can be with one mind with what we're doing. And he so says so that with one accord we come together with one voice. Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can come together because of Christ. Unified understanding that every one of us was a sinner. Every one of us had to go to the foot of the cross. The foot of the cross it's level. We're all sinners and the blood of Jesus Christ pours freely on all, on anyone, whosoever will come to the foot of the cross in faith that blood pours and we become one family and we can with one another, with one accord and with one voice glorify God because he is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to walk along with others. We need to bear the burdens of others. We need to follow the example of Jesus with that. And we must walk with the weak. Church, I almost entitled this message. I had it up there and took it off, put it back up there. It's not all about you. I said that just sounded a little negative. But let me tell you, it's not all about you. God didn't save you because you were such a great person that he wanted to exalt you up. No, he saved you because you were a sinner in need of saving. And he brought you into the kingdom to be a worker, to be a co-laborer with him. The Bible tells us that the field is white, harvest and ready and labors are few. We're to pray the Lord to send the labors, but he saved you to be a team player. He saved you to be part of the family. I don't know where this come from. It just popped into my head. Something I read this week. Don't remember who it was that had said it. But it said. They say you don't have to go to church to be a believer. And he said that's right. But he said you don't have to go home to be married. But you stay gone long and it will affect your relationship. We're a family that comes together. And when we don't come together, it affects this local family. It affects the whole family of Jesus Christ. Because church, I'll be the first one to tell you, we need each other. I need you. And you need the one next to you. And y'all need me. We all come together and we all need each other. So I want to encourage you. Be that example of Christ within the church And be willing to bear the burdens of others. Be willing to bear those who are just learning what it is to be like a believer. Be willing to bear the burden of those who are learning how to spend time with God in prayer. How to read God's word. Bear the burden of those who are grieving and maybe they have questions. 
And I believe in our community today, we need to bear the burdens of those who are angry at God. You know, we've been angry. If you hadn't been angry, you're probably not telling the truth. Because you see, we come along and we understand God is great. And God is good. And he has saved us to bring us into the family so that we can come along with each other. So may we be the example of Christ. May we be what a Christian is and walk with the weak. May you bow your heads. Father God, today I thank you for your love. Father, how we've seen your love pour out this past week. Father God, I thank you for your peace, Lord. Your word tells us that you are a peace and that you provide a peace, Father, that passes our understanding. Father, we're experiencing that this week. Father, you're a God of comfort. Father, I I believe in all of who you are as your word has portrayed. Father, how you have revealed yourself. Father, we've seen that this week, each of us in different areas and in different lights. But Father, I also understand that each of us are at a different walk in our Christian life, at a different level of that, Lord, as we are maturing. Father, none of us are totally mature. We won't be until the day we're in heaven with you. But we're at different stages of that, Father. So we're each weak. We're each strong. Father, would you help us to bear the weakness of others? Father, that we can take what you've done in our lives and give you glory for it and to help others. Father, help us as we walk. Father, help us to be able to persevere, Lord, to stand fast even in discomfort and stress, Father, your word teaches us that. Father, may we receive that encouragement, Father, and that hope, Lord, knowing that you are who you are, and Father, the hope that we can look forward to. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen.